one of the greatest receivers in Canadian Football League history, is reunited with his college quarterback, who just happens to be one of the best coaches in the CFL today. G-Roy Simon and Scott Milanovic are reunited and it feels so good this week on the waggle as they look back on their time together at maryland sharing some tony dungy stories from their time in the nfl and even talking the football cult classic film the program plus davis sanchez and i look ahead to week four in the cfl it's all coming up this week on the waggle What's happening, everybody? Alongside Davis Sanchez, who you can find on Twitter, at Davis Sanchez. My name is James Sabalski, who you can also find on social media, at James Sabalski. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the hate. So if you have any questions, comments, love, props, shout-outs, or kicks in the you-know-what, we welcome it all on social media. Because without the hate, there would be no Twitter. There would be none of it. How are you, everybody? Welcome to The Waggle. He's Davis I'm James, and coming up, um, we have college teammates reunited. A very candid conversation with Argos head coach Scott Milanovic and his University of Maryland teammate, Superman. One of the greatest receivers in CFL history and one of Davis's former teammates, the one, the only G. Roy Simon. A lot of fun listening to these two guys looking back on the days. That was fun. A lot of fun. And so that's coming up in just a few minutes from now. We'll also look ahead to week four in the Canadian Football League as well. And hey, just a reminder, make sure you subscribe to The Waggle on iTunes. The more subscribers, the more encouraged the CFL is. And we are to create more content and information and fun for you, the consumer of stats and information and content. So the more love you give to us, the more love we keep on giving back to you guys. There has been tons of love, and I, I want—I do want to say thank you for, I've gotten so many messages and so many people reaching out on Twitter and other forums, and that's, it's been nice talking to you. Thanks for the support and for following the waggle and, and, and participating. And those of you who haven't and got something to say, reach out. Talk to us. Yeah, we welcome we, the questions. We enjoy it. We love CFL banter. That's what we do because we're the waggle. We're waggling all the way. To uh, throughout the 2016 season, and uh, we appreciate it. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of momentum already uh, picked up so far this season. But yes. uh, before we jump into the week four matchups, I want to throw uh, a cu- two couple, th- a couple things here before you looking back in the week. Uh, more imp- impressive catch that you saw: the Ryan Smith Velcro catch or the Ricky Collins Jr. jump ball. Not fair, Seaball. I'm throwing it to you. You always throw it to me. I'm throwing it to you, Seaball. What I is, like what is, Which catch up. did you like? I'm going to say, to me, the better catch was Ricky Collins Jr. Okay. Because my only The better issue, catch. Okay. The better catch. Now, look, I've never seen anything like the Ryan Smith grab before. <laughs> but to me, you know, in a day and age where we talk about performance enhancers, my mm. only issue is gloves was I mean, that glove was like a performance enhancer. That might be a case oh, of just too much stick. Oh. I mean, Ryan Smith was looking, and look, he's a good receiver and a talented guy, but he, he had no business making that catch. You, I mean, that's a you, fluke. That's a, like from Seinfeld, million to one shot, Doc. <laughs> million to one shot. Are you are you ta- are you making a plead for the league office to look to look into Ryan Smith's locker? Ke- Kevin McDonald, Kevin. 
Kevin, you used to harass me all the time, and Uh-oh, I get K-Mac. a call from you every week and an email from you every every week. I don't know how I'm not retired right now because of you. I, I've given so much money back because you hit me up. Why don't you hit up Ryan Smith now, Kevin? Did what you get you Did you get fined a lot? Yes. Well, for some, for some, most people get fined for illegal hits and mm-hmm. things like that. For someone who never hit anybody, I got fined a lot. A ton. But mine was always for trying to look for trying to look good. For trying what to they, look what good. What they say of Rocket Rashad, five minutes for looking so good? Five minutes for, yeah, two got, minutes for yeah, looking so good. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Mack uh, got me uh, for trying to look good, whether I did or not. You got knows. 15 yards for trying to look good. Yes, yes. But, yeah, yes. Ryan Smith. Woo! K-Mack. Yeah, take a look at those gloves, man. Come on. I, that, I mean, that, like, look, what a throw by Drew Willie. Uh, incredibly accurate, but, and, and look, I mean, it's the certainly the momentum and the positivity and the way that, you know, it's been promoting the league over the last week all around the world. I mean, that, that has gone viral online, that catch. Just spectacular in a nice way, but come on. I mean, as a DB, you've got to be a little deflated when you see stuff like that because. That's not like you could blanket a guy, and that's just a case of something. Just the friction going up against a against a glove that's just got a whole lot of du- stick hey, and grip. Hey, double D's, uh, or double D. Drew Willie's throw might be more impressive than the catch. He, yeah, he stuck it. He stuck it right on his in his belly. Yeah, he literally it stuck actually, it. Yes, so that that that's something we're not talking about. Maybe maybe it's the throw that was impressive. Maybe it was the throw. Yes, it was it was the throw more so than the catch. Sure. But nevertheless, it certainly had us yes. talking about. Yes, uh, yes. The yes. other thing that kind of jumped out at me from uh, from last weekend, Chris Jones, the head coach of the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Jones Bowl last week in Edmonton, uh, goes for it on third and one with the game on the line, comes up short. And ultimately, I guess in some resp- in some minds, cost the team the game where they could have gone for a field goal to just force the tie and keep on playing. You like the call or not? I like the call. No, no question about it. From That's, a defensive standpoint, do you like from it? From any standpoint, I love the call. Because, Why? Because it's, a, it's an aggressive call. If you want to be a championship team and you want to beat good football teams, you have to be able to get third and one in this league. You have to be able to get it in any league, but you have to be able to get third and one in the CFL when you're a yard of the ball. That's that's a must. I always want my coach to go for it. I want to have faith in my offensive line. I mean, I want to have faith in my quarterback. Backup quarterback Moniz had got released yeah. after. I mean, I think he fumbled the ball three times in, well, in short yards. Has weeks. been that's an issue for the brutal. And I, Chris Jones is is losing his mind with this right now. I mean, it's got to be just just killing him. But but yeah, all day, all day. And Jones is a, a Don Matthews. You know, Don Matthews' disciple. And he's he's he came out he came under Don Matthews, and that's the Don will go for it on third and third and eleven. Forget third and one. So that's a that's an all day call. And, and uh, you know, I think I can speak for most players. Uh, you want to be aggressive, and you want your coach to have confidence in you guys. You go for that. I like the vote of confidence that Jonesy did. You know, for all the questioning that look in one respect, you you go for the layup, you play it safe. But in this case, I liked the aggression. You know, they wanted that game going up against the Eskimos. You know, obviously there's there's some heat and some rivalry. I mean, the story about the co- the, the coach's contract that kind of came up last week and in some of the media I had, reports. I had, heard, that, I had heard some rumors about that last yeah, year. And, and so there was some there was some bad blood, obviously. But I like the call because it was sent a real – I think it, to me it sends a message internally into the clubhouse and the locker room saying, hey, I believe in you guys, you believe in me. And that's an early message with a new coach – 
with his new soldiers. Can I say a quick thing about that? No, the, the, you can't. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, you know what, though? That, that, the talk about the coaches thing real, real fast. Yeah. They, they kind of gave Ed Hervey and the Eskimos a little bit of heat with that. I kind of it made sense to me what the Eskies are doing that. Oh, time. I don't blame them. No, because because these coaches from and I don't blame the coaches for leaving Edmonton either because that's part of the, part of the deal. Yeah, it's, this is a business. It's business. This is a business. And uh, and 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 if if the coaches are already know that they're leaving and going to Saskatchewan, which it, it was it's known they all knew they were going with Coach Jones. Mm-hmm. They weren't working for the Eskimos anymore. They were on staff, but. Were they recruiting for the Eskimos? You're mentally were checked they, out. They, they, I, and I they think anybody, and it doesn't matter what walk planning. of life you're in. If you are changing jobs and you know you're changing jobs, you are mentally checked out. And also, you're mentally checked out. And in a football season, you're you're working for the next year. There's no games. There's nothing they could do. No. In those days, they're just in the office planning on what players they're getting to try to get to Saskatchewan and what they're doing in Saskatchewan. So and what why, office why would souvenirs you pay them? they can take. Sure. So why would you pay them for those two or three weeks sitting in an Eskimo's office working on Saskatchewan game plans? I, I would do the same thing if I was Ed Hervey. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I, I certainly the don't The evil empire. All's fair in love yeah, and war. So, yeah. Ed, you know what? Hey, it's okay to be a bad guy every once in a while, and I don't blame you for that one at all. And, and you know what? Hey, look, everybody got paid. Nobody stopped sure. getting paid. And, you know, you know who got paid? Chris Jones. Chris Jones got paid, and all of his assistants got paid. So everybody got looked after. And, yeah. okay. and you know, at the end of the day, Ed Hervey and company, they still they still walk around with a really nice, shiny 2015 no Great doubt. Cup champion ring. Nice. So yes. Everybody kind of benefited in that situation. All right, let's jump ahead into the matchups. Uh, for week number four, and the first one kicking off on Wednesday uh, in Toronto at BMO Field. It's the Argos now 2-1, and one, having won two straight, taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks, who are uh, still unbeaten, but now sitting with a greasy tie. Another belt, which uh, was a wild game against the Calgary Stampeders, but a tie. Ugh, Davis, I just looking at that final score was just like, really? Still have ties? I think we can, because of the two-point, we talked about this, because of the two-point conversions, you go back and forth, you have to go for two. If you don't know this out there, you have to go for two in the overtime in the CFL right now every time you score. So it's going to it's gonna stop that, that game from going on. The reason why they, they cut it off after two series is you don't want a game going, you know, five hours, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth. But because you have to go for two, that's not going to happen. So let's, let's find a way to... to Possibly get. I, I hate the tie. I don't like that. You know, you, you're gonna. It's not. It's gonna end soon enough. If they both have to go for two. It's not gonna go forever. Find a way to get rid of that. I like that. I like. I love all the new rules. I don't like. I don't like that. Uh, th- this, I, I think, from an individual matchup, it's I like think a lot of missing the last five minutes of a movie or something. You know, when your PVR <laughs> like, yeah. stops or something. Like, hey, exactly. wait a minute. Exactly. Who won between that battle <laughs> between uh, Finn and Kylo Ren? Oh, it cut out right at the end of uh, Phantom of uh, the Force Awakens. Sorry. Yeah. Phantom Menace. It's about 15, 16 years off there. Uh, okay, so from an individual matchup in this one, you've got Trevor Harris and Ricky Ray, former teammates, uh, the one-two punch uh, at the quarterback position in Toronto last year. Harris signing with the Red Blacks in the offseason. Uh, he's been just incredible. You know, in two and a half games this season, 80% uh, completion uh, percentage, um, uh, almost 1,100 yards passing, nine touchdowns, one interception, and Ricky Ray, I mean, no slouch on his end. Five touchdowns, the one pick, almost seventy yard, seventy uh, percent completion percentage, seven hundred and fifty yards passing. Uh, both these guys are clicking right now, early in the season. But to me, I think ultimately the difference in this one, even though nobody has shown that they can slow down Trevor Harris, I think 
defense from the Argos is the difference here. Watching how they played on the road in BC last week against the Lions and the week prior against the Riders in Regina, to me, that Argos defense is clicking after kind of getting knocked around in that week one loss to Hamilton. I like the Argos defense here, and to me, that's the difference in this one. Yeah, they've, they've looked better week by week, uh, the Argos have, and that's what you're going to see from a Rich Stubler defense. Conceptually, match defense is that he runs. He's been running for the last 100 years, I think. Match defense is, is, a, is a defense that's all about communication. It's it's route recognition and it's communication. As, did as you play under Stu? I did several times. I actually played for, for Rich, was my defensive coordinator at the University of Oregon uh, when I was in college. Um, and then uh, in 2010, yeah, for the BC Lions as well. Everybody has a Stubler impression. Do you have one? I'm not. I'm not good at impressions. Okay. But, uh, but uh, there's some. There's some good. You know who had a great one? Of those of you CFL fans, remember Mike Fletcher from the Argos? Yeah, Fletch. Oh, and he was straight also straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. He was a teammate of mine at Oregon, at and, Oregon. and then played. And then Rich Stubler brought him up to Toronto uh, to be with the Argos for all those years and with the Lions. Uh, but uh, he's got a great Stubler impression. But uh, anyway, Stubes. As time goes on, as the weeks go on, you're going to see this Toronto, this Toronto defense get better and better. I, I like Toronto. I was after that first week, I was a little suspect, but uh, they've they've grown on me. They certainly do. I, I like the Argos as well in this one. Uh, on the Thursday matchup, it's the defending Grey Cup champion Eskimos on the road in Winnipeg and Bombers fans. Hold on a second. Breathe. You feel a little bit better after that scrappy much needed win the sky was falling the first two weeks and yeah that was i mean hey you know what shout out to mike o'shea and the guys for for picking up that big win in hamilton especially after things looked like they were ready to go sideways right out of the gate with speedy b and a huge return and then all of a sudden boom are we allowed to be we allowed to be fans because i was yeah i was kind of a a bomber fan last week i'm supposed to be 100 unbiased here yes as we as we as we support the whole league but i i gotta admit i was a bomber fan last week i think you were too seaball totally i wanted to see that happen Uh, did i think they were going to give that game away too in the second half totally and yet (laughs) you know what they handled it you know what the defense came Gritty. up with, uh, look, I mean, hey, look, Hamilton gave the ball away four times. Uh, but you know what? You can also look at it in the sense from a, from a glass half full standpoint, from a Winnipeg perspective, that's four takeaways on the bomber side. So they Mo came Leggett, up. two picks. Yeah. Touch, uh, touchdown. Yeah, and a pick six. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, and, a, and a team that really needed one. There was a lot of speculation about, you know, changes could be looming. If the Bombers fell to 0-3 to start the year, they finally come up. My my only issue with this one, and you know, it, it, the numbers will tell you that Edmonton checks in averaging 38 points per game offensively, but they're giving up over 40 points a game defensively. So there's still some issues to be worked out in Edmonton, but I just don't know if Winnipeg can match the Eskimos score for score here in this one because you know the Eskies are going to get their points I just don't know if Drew Willie and company can necessarily keep up in what should be another high scoring game at least from Edmonton's standpoint from what they've shown because boy Darius Bowman sure looked good last week and Mike Riley I mean what can you say about Mike Riley Mike Riley is looking like well Mike Riley he's a stud he's a stud interesting conversations I had uh two separate two separate uh, coaches in the league, both told me they thought that Winnipeg's defense was very underrated 
and they thought they thought that it was a defense that could be pretty good towards towards the year and as the years go on, as the year goes on, which I was surprised with because I, mm. I was not impressed with this defense. Uh, I actually thought it was really really weak, and I thought they yeah had you to were make, in Winnipeg for the week for yeah, week one, right? Yeah, week one watching them live, I was just like, there was guys open everywhere. Um, they weren't getting pass rush. I just I just was really I thought they needed to make wholesale changes to that to that defense, but they've looked better. And to hear it from guys inside the league. Like I say, two coaches that I respect a lot uh, both told me that, that they thought that this defense was, was, was pretty good and had a chance to be a very good defense, which, which for Bombers fans uh, is, is, uh, sounds good because that offense can, can get moving because they have, they have the weapons. So maybe, maybe there's a shot here after that big win and, and uh, some hope there in Bomberville, Swag, hey. Swaggerville. You know what? In, in fairness to the Bombers, for all the doom and gloom we've talked about in the first few weeks of the season, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers still have as many wins as the Edmonton Eskimos and the Calgary Stampeders, and they've got more wins than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and they're only one win back the BC Lions right now so it's those not you, all that bad and they you know and they're and they're at home this week even though I do like the Eskimos in this those one. of you who don't those of you who don't know Seaball just pulled all that out without looking down at any note he just pulled that those all out of his head that's pretty yeah, good that's I just pretty a, good a fountain have, of misinformation I have like a binder the size of my my office here <laughs> with everything in it so I could remember all these things and numbers yeah but you took more hits than I did true that's just, you know, I'm sure. trying to, um, it's, hey, listen, while, while we were talking about the Bombers here, there was a stat that jumped out at me uh, going into this week, and I guess it speaks to, you know, Andrew Harris was the big offseason signing for Winnipeg, addressing their running game, which needed to be, which needed to be addressed. Like, they went out and, hey, look, they spent lavishly. They also added Dressler. They added Ryan Smith as well. But Medlock. what I find really interesting is that the CFL right now, is averaging 166 yards rushing per game right now through the first three weeks of the season. That is the lowest average per game in league history ever. It's the fewest amount of total rushing yards per game in league history. Now, it's only three weeks into the season, but almost 80% of the yards gained offensively this year, almost 80%, think about that. Almost 80% has come from the pass. And at a time of the year when the old cliche is offense takes longer to catch up to the defense at this time of the year, where has what would in theory be your safe bet, your layup, so to speak, going to the ground attack as opposed to trying to figure out your passing attack so early? Why has the run been abandoned in the Canadian Football League? What's happened, D? George Reed used to run for 166 by himself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what's Mike what's, Pringle for that matter. Mike, Mike Pringle as well. I'm not. I'm not sure what. I, the one thing I would say is the, the the quarterback play in this league right now is through the roof. Uh, it's it's there's so many great quarterbacks. We got guys like Travis Lule who are you know two years removed from being the MVP and and they're they're backups right now. That's how good and Zach Calaris, who was arguably would have been the MVP if he didn't get hurt. He's not even playing and the. And, and, and the quarterback plays is through the roof. So I think if you're an offensive coordinator and you're sitting, you're sitting up in the booth there and you're looking down and it's, and it's you know, second down and, and you have Mike Riley and Darian Durant and, and Ricky Ray and Trevor Harris pulling, pulling the trigger for you, are you going to hand the ball off or are you going to let them throw? I mean, that, I think that's just – it just is what it is. They're just darn good right now. And, 
And hey, as a fan, it's fun to watch. It, it, you know what? It's sure. Hey, I'm not complaining because it, it certainly makes for the fireworks. And, that and was a fluke, Ryan Smith. <laughs> fluke. <laughs> yes. You didn't call bank. <laughs> we addressed that already as we were doing. Uh, we were addressing not, with the league as well. Get, we were talking. You better not get catch of the year for that. There, well, maybe, well, maybe, maybe Willie gets throw of the year. If, I, if Ryan Smith gets, if Ryan Willie gets, will have to accept that award. Yeah, exactly. if Ryan Smith <laughs> gets catch of the year in anything, I'm I'm announcing my re- resignation from the Waggle effectively immediately. Oh no! Yes. Oh no! Yes. All right. Well, what a break for somebody else. Yeah. Oh, Lucky kidding. you guys. <laughs> uh, okay. Friday. Friday night. Uh, you've got Hamilton uh, in Montreal to take on the Alouettes. Uh, both teams kind of limping into this one. Uh, the good news for the Tie Cats, who've lost two straight suddenly after looking like world beaters in Week One against the Argos, uh, they come in having lost two straight at home. So maybe uh, road cooking maybe helps this team here. But you know, Zach Caleros, the encouraging thing for the Hamilton Tie Cats. Returned to practice this week. He was practicing on Monday. He's not expected to play, but he is inching closer and closer. And hopefully, before the end of this month, Zach Caleros will be be the man. Um, you know, in Hamilton, like they're paying him to be, because uh, it's been almost nine months now that he's been sidelined with that injury. Uh, but from Montreal standpoint, Harry Davis, uh, Deron Carter could very well be playing in this one, and at this point, looks like he will be because he's still awaiting his appeal. From the Canadian Football League, so until further notice, he's still hanging around, and it's a perfect time because Stafford now on the six-game injured list with a broken toe. Uh, you've got S.J. Green gone for the year, and even Kevin Glenn missing some time of practice this week. This week with eye inflammation, and you know what? If you've got to see downfield, to me. Eye inflammation might be one of the worst things that you probably want. If you can't see your receiver, that's probably not a good thing. I think I played with a couple guys that had that that uh, that itch, uh, stink issue. eye, yeah, pink eye. Yeah, can't see downfield eye. Can't see downfield. Yeah, don't forget eye. about Terrell. Certainly Stur- helps DBs looking for picks, right? <laughs> Let's not forget about Terrell Sutton, the league's the league's leading rusher. Also, yeah. also is out. I mean, this is this is something that uh, I mean, I can't. Except last year in Calgary, their offensive line woes were pretty bad. Um, but this right here is this is you probably have four of your five best offensive weapons that won't be playing, and that's uh, and Deron Carter soon to follow. Uh, that he'll be out as well. Jim Pop uh, was talking the other day to the media, and, and uh, you know, you know, you know, obviously he's, he's not happy. He's uh, you know he's kind of uh, this is a difficult situation for him. It's already a difficult situation coming in, um, you know, with the new staff and all the things that they have to deal with there. Uh, but to have these injuries, uh, this, is, this is a tough, this is an uphill battle for Jim and Anthony and uh, Coach Thorpe and the rest of the Montreal Alouettes. You're just, you're just without so many of your key horses and playmakers. What do you do? I mean, what do you do? I mean, you hope Anthony. that your defense can try to keep you into that game. But uh, the reality is, is Anthony Calvillo is not stepping in here. And, you know, Kevin Glenn's not 100%. You're and, your receiving core, and your receiving core has been absolutely demolished. What do you, what do, you do if you're Anthony Calvillo and you look down at your, on your call sheet and all these guys are out. You change the run stat. That's what you do. You, you change go. the you change the run George, stat. You call George Reed and see if he wants to come play and get you a buck sixty <laughs> buck sixty six himself. George, are you out there? Mike Pringle, come out of retirement. Let's see if you can. Maybe he wants to come back. Uh, come back and uh, yeah. So yeah. George Reed, if you're listening, Davis still thinks you got a lot of game left in the tank. Um, uh, full head of hair, at least. I well, there you. That's more a start. Than, more than I could say. <laughs> uh, I like I like Hamilton to get the road win here on this one. Uh, I just think that Montreal is just too banged up offensively to try to match up. But and I think you know Hamilton, 
they're too talented to go into too deep a funk. And and yes, I know they've been playing without the race uh, Zach Caleros, but I think Hamilton's got got enough to get back into the win column. Which brings us to Saturday. The BC Lions on the road against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are now 0-2 on the season under Chris Jones. Um, I guess I guess first things first, Jonathan Jennings, for all the positives that we saw in the first couple of weeks for the Lions, got benched in the second half of week number three Wally, in that loss to the Wally Argos. don't play. Wally don't play. And so... Well, I mean, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. How long do you wait and how long? I mean, I guess it, it seems to be almost a legitimate debate now where where do you go? I mean, if you were calling the shots, is it a non-starter for you? Do you go immediately back to Jonathan Jennings? It's not like Travis had all that much success yeah, either, but no where do you go? No, no controversy at all. JJ, JJ's back in. He was just trying to change things up, give give Jonathan a chance to, to watch from the sidelines and, and see what's going on. He obviously, the game was obviously moving moving quick for him, and it's not easy playing against that defense. That, that match defense is, is tough to look at and tough to read. It's, it's confusing, and Travis may have a better – may have a bet. Wally may have thought that Travis had a better view of it from the sideline, come in there and maybe have some success. He didn't have a whole lot of success. Uh, it's not it, – it, Jonathan's back in. He's the starting quarterback what for What if it happens again, though, this week? If we, we see the same trend where the BC offense is is stagnant, if, not if my, moving, if my aunt, if you my go auntie, back to Travis you know again. This, you know the saying about, about your auntie. If your auntie, if my auntie had wore, wore pants, he she'd be my un- uncle. Is okay. that the saying? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't really the saying, but yes, I know. I had aunts that wore pants anyway. I mean, <laughs> if they were slacks <laughs> usually in the eighties. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that uh, if that happens, you know, that's something they had to deal with. You know, at, at that point in time. But I think I think that Jonathan has a extremely long leash. But while he's quick to quick to pull in game situations, mm-hmm. if he thinks that it'll give a team a boost, and to throw a guy like Trav in there. It is a, everyone wants wants likes Trav and and it's not a it's not it's not a controversy when he goes in if he can give the team a boost then hey more power to you and Wally's not worried about uh, pissing anybody off or ruffling feathers or hurting Jonathan's feelings it is what it is you go in take a shot but I think even if that does happen I think Jonathan will always go back in until until it becomes a major problem which I don't see that happening I like Saskatchewan here. I like Saskatchewan because I like what I'm seeing from this team. They're trending in the right direction. They're close. They were right there with the defending Grey Cup champions. And you know what? Darian Durant is, uh, you know, he is back. He's back up there. You know, health to me is no longer an issue for Darian Durant. Uh, The emergence of playmakers. Ricky Collins Jr., I mean, what a spectacular job. We touched on the outset of this show. But to me, Saskatchewan's close. They're not completely there yet defensively, and I'm sure Chris Jones is still racking his brain trying to get things on track. But I'll tell you what, I think Saskatchewan has what it takes this week to get their first win of the season and their first win in the Chris Jones era. I think that's enough coming up this weekend in Saski for the Riders to get it done. Jonathan Newsom, uh, the the defensive end for Sask. Yeah. Oh my gosh! This, if you have not seen him play, uh, people, please watch this kid flies around. He's going to be a star in this league. I was in awe with the things he was doing. His his speed, his explosiveness. Uh, he also uh, he, he was in his first in his first NFL game. He was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, that's the kind, kind of talent this kid has. Uh, and and Jonesy's got his hands on him, and this kid is a freak. Uh, so uh, yeah, having him, and then the, and then the AC Leonard, the other defensive end, a converted wide receiver 
who is freakishly athletic. This defense, uh, who probably is, or not probably, who is extremely raw, uh, he's only going to get better. So you got Newsom, who's learning the system, who is a freak. A.C. Leonard, who was a wide receiver for the B.C. Lions, who is now playing defensive end, who Jonesy said, you know what, we're going to make you a defensive end because you're huge and you can run, and I can coach. Uh, I mean, he's just, I mean, these guys are going to get better and better, and this is a a defense is going to be freaky come end of the year. Yeah, no, no question. There's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, and you're certainly seeing a lot of encouraging signs from the Riders, and they're in good hands with Chris Jones, man in the sidelines, and it was money well spent for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, much to the chagrin of the Edmonton Eskimos. Hey, don't forget to sign up for CFL. Pick them on CFL.ca, and you can go head-to-head with your weekly picks head-to-head with Davis and myself. You can join our CFL Pick'em group, The Waggle. It's open for everybody. You can just find us online at cfl.ca uh, just to recap one more time the picks this week uh ottawa at toronto i like the argos in this one here davis which way are you going i like i like ottawa you like you're taking you're taking ottawa in that I, one i like ottawa okay on the thursday matchup edmonton in winnipeg i'm going with the eskimos i'm taking the road team here yes uh i'm gonna go edmonton as well Hamilton at Montreal. Hamilton, uh, both teams kind of reeling right now, but you know what? Give me the lesser of two evils, and I'll take the Hamilton Tide Cats because they're healthier. Ole, 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 ole. Montreal. Montreal. They're tough to play at home. doesn't matter. They're mm-hmm. tough at home. The defense will play. I think that Montreal can keep it close, and uh, Hamilton doesn't look all that great right now. Okay, and uh, closing out on Saturday, it's Saskatchewan at home to BC. I think the home team gets their first win of the season. Uh, give me the uh, the Rough Riders over the, uh, over the Lions. Ooh, ooh. You know what? I don't know who to take, but in, that, in this situation, I'll just go opposite of you because it feels good. BC, Sabalski. <laughs> BC. BC. Hey, you know, I'll say this. Wow. Hey, look at the numbers for, for road teams so far this season. The road team is 8-3-1 and one through the first 12 games in the Canadian Football League this season. So home wow. cooking is apparently a little stale right wow. now all across the country. Uh, that's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. This is The Waggle. And coming up in a matter of moments, we catch up with former college teammates, G. Roy Simon, one of the great receivers in Canadian Football League history, and his former quarterback. That's his quarterback. <laughs> Scott Milanovic, the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts. It's all coming up on The Waggle. James Sabalski, Davis Sanchez, with two very special guests. One of the all-time great receivers in the history of the Canadian Football League, G. Roy Simon, and the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts, Scott Milanovic. Now, the unique tie-in with these two guys hanging out with us here on the couch in Vancouver is that these two guys were college buddies. They went to Maryland together many moons ago. But let me ask you this. Looking into a crystal ball 20 years ago, (laughs) did you ever think that you would see the day that you guys would spend this much time in Canada after all these years? G-Roy, I mean, you had a Hall of Fame career, and Scott, you're, you're basically trending in the right direction right now with your career. Yeah, um, I never thought that I would, one, be in Canada, two, playing football in Canada, and three, you know, spending, you know, any time with Scott here in Canada. So um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a great journey. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy to, to where I'm at right now and, and, and uh, enjoying my time up here. How about you, Scott? I mean, surreal? <laughs> I will say the Baltimore Stallions were close to where we uh, <laughs> right. went to college. I did see a game there one time. Did you actually go see yes, a game? Yes, I did. I went and saw a game. Um, they won. The Stallions did. I can't remember who they played. It might have been Saskatchewan. 
but uh, no, I never anticipated uh, Drew and I'd be up here sitting on the couch in Vancouver hanging out. Is it funny how your careers have kind of paralleled each other in a lot of ways, though? I mean, absolutely. It's been, you know, I think we've both been very fortunate. You never know how your career is going to go when you're in this game, whether it's playing or, or coaching or now in the personnel department. But uh, Canada's been great to me and my family. I love the league. Um, feel fortunate to have the opportunities I've got. Do you remember the first time you guys met, G-Roy? Do you remember the, when, you, when you got to campus? Scott was already established, <laughs> I think, as, as a pretty action-packed quarterback for the ACC with the Maryland Terrapins at the time back in the early 90s. Well, yeah, I, I remember coming to training camp as a freshman, and uh, Scott was already the starter. Um, and I was, I was taking reps with, like, the fourth-string quarterback, and I was like, if I could only get on the field and, and have Scott throw me a couple balls, I'd be, I'd be happy. Um, but, it, you know, it worked out where I, I got a chance to play a lot. I didn't start my freshman year, but I got, got a chance to play, play quite a bit of plays, and uh, Scott was, was fortunate enough to throw me a few balls. Is there a story that stands out, Scott, maybe the first time that you remember meeting G-Roy or, or seeing him out on the field? I don't, I don't remember the first time, but I was certainly aware of him. Coming from Western PA, it's a close-knit group, so um, anytime your Jones team town? adds... <laughs> anytime your team adds... Uh, uh, a guy from, from your neck of the woods, you look out for him, and uh, I certainly knew who he was the day he stepped on campus. Uh, the one thing I thought was pretty cool was, uh, you know, Scott, Scott going to Tampa Bay, and then you know, the, next, the next year, former, te- former teammate G-Roy now signing as a free agent in Tampa Bay. Um, that kind of gives you, G-Roy, when you got there, did you feel like uh, you could now uh, get some help from Scott, beg, beg Scott to give you some rocks? <laughs> You're trying to make, you know, Scott's already there and somewhat established uh, on the squad. You're a free agent trying to get there. Um, did you did you come to Scott and uh, actually give this one to Scott? Did Scott, did you really beg, begging you for rocks when he first got there to try to make the squad and get that paycheck? No, I don't remember him begging. Um, Pleading? No. Asking? No, I, w- I don't know how often we were on the field at the same time. G Roy didn't get it. I mean, it's funny how, it's why we're talking about how your career goes. He'd never caught a break. I mean, the guy should have been playing down there for 12 years and making millions of dollars, and it didn't go that way for him. But uh, he made his own way up here. Yeah, I actually read I read a quote actually, Scott, you talking about that earlier, saying that you you really believe that if G. Roy uh, got a shot, that he would have done the same things. Uh, he could have done the same things in the NFL that he did here, but it just wasn't just the opportunities didn't present themselves. Yeah, and the hard thing is is. And it's similar probably in our league too. High draft picks are going to get every opportunity. And if you don't find the right fit um, and you're a free agent, which I wasn't, and I think you were too, right, G.Y., mm-hmm. then uh, you've got to catch a break. Some people have to get hurt in front of you for you to get your opportunity. My second game ever in the NFL, both the starter and the backup got hurt. And I got in the game and played four snaps. thought, I'll be playing all the time. Never played another snap in four years. So. Uh, I think it was probably similar to G-Roy. He just never caught that break he needed. Is, 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 do you ever play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game? I mean, in both you guys, I mean, I, I lo- going back to Maryland, like you guys were a high-octane offense. Scott, you kind of ran into some trouble. Like, I mean, like anybody at 20 does. Like, we all, we all do something. But, you know, you talk about G-Roy kind of not catching that break. You, got, you wind up, I think, you got suspended for four games, I think, in your senior year. And that's a big year for you because there's huge expectations from that standpoint. I mean, do you ever kind of wonder the shoulda, coulda, woulda? Because I'm, the NFL was right there for you too, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I've never lived my life that way. I, I look at it. 
if it hadn't happened, maybe I wouldn't be in Tampa. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have got to spend time with Tony Dungy, who's made me to some degree the coach that I am. Really? I am today. And yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I just never been one to look back. Everybody makes mistakes. I have kids now. I tell them the same thing. And uh, it's not necessarily the mistakes you make, but how you respond to them and the person you become after that. Well, it certainly worked out for you, and you know, Thank a you. great, great journey and experience for you guys. I mean. Talk to me about what Scott was like on campus. I mean, I mean, like I just I look at Scott and Scott to me. I mean, Scott, you got the great poker face, and 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 anytime like the cameras are rolling and the mic. I mean, Davis, we were kind of joking about this leading up to this interview, and you know, you're very guarded and cautious, never going to give the other team or the opposition bulletin board material. But when your guard comes down, there's like this cool guy who brings a little bit of swag to the table. G. Roy, I come tell on, you, I what's tell you, the Scott, real Scott? Scott was the man. Yeah. He was the man uh, went on, on campus and, and everywhere you went in the DMV, everybody knew who Scott Milanovic was because he was, you know, he was he was one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Not only in that area, but in the country. And, um, you know, he was the same just as he is as a coach. You know, he's, he, he knew where everybody was at. He knew what was going on. That's why we were so good as an offense. I can't say as a team, but as an offense, we were so good because, you know, he was the leader of our of our group and, and uh, put us in the right position. Right, right, um, position to make plays. What's that like when you're 19 or 20? I mean, do you recognize, are you self-aware at that point that you're kind of a, you're, you're like a Ron Burgundy of college football. You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of a big deal. I mean, you're, you get the national attention, you get the national hype that you would get in the National Football League, not the paycheck, obviously, as a college student, but, I mean, that, did you understand? We're getting the paycheck, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're opening Not up another true. can of worms. Not true at all. Uh, but did you recognize that? Could you feel it? Um, I didn't. I'm not real proud of the way I handled it, to be honest with you. Coming from Western Pennsylvania, where there was some media attention in high school, football yeah. is big. The the media in the D.C. area was times a hundred. Plus, you have Baltimore and all the local college park areas, and. Um, yeah, I don't know that I handled it as well. I don't know that I was as good a teammate as, as I could have been. How? Well, you, it becomes about you to some degree. How many yards did I throw for? How many touchdown passes? You know, where am I going to get drafted? And those are all things now that I see as a coach. It's easy to recognize, right? It's like you tell your kids, you know, I've done what you're doing, so you can't fool me. And so I recognize the same things now as a coach. Some of the things that I would have done, like you was saying, when I was 18, 19 years old, that I wouldn't appreciate now as a coach. That's I never I didn't think when he's, James just asked you that question. I did not think that was going to be the answer. Uh, but uh, I was. If you don't know, I was King also. Parties, I was, chicks, yeah, come on, I was also. A, 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 I was a teammate of Scott's uh, a, for for one season. Also, Scott was my my coach in Montreal, and and you know Scott, a, a good teammate and a, and a great coach. I wouldn't have thought those those words would come from you, but I I feel the exact same way. I had I feel the exact same way looking at my career, and I know that. I didn't handle things the right way, and I wish if I if I only knew what I knew no. the last three years of my career for the the previous ten, what a better teammate I could be, and a better you know all those things. But it's funny to hear that, but it's refreshing to hear. The question I had was Mark Tressman. If we can touch on that for a minute, uh, we were both with Tress for a while. Um, you know, everyone's going to ask you always, what did you take from Tress? Um, obviously, every coach you've been around, you take a little bit from them. Um, what I want to ask uh, is, what is it that, 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 that Coach Tressman, what is different from Coach Tressman, from other coaches you've been around? You've been around a ton of coaches. What is the, one, of the, one of the things that you can think that Mark does differently than other coaches that, that you see? I've, I've had some good ones and, and played for and coached with some good ones. Mark was 
and I had a hands-on experience because I was in the in the meeting rooms and stuff that where I wasn't with Tony and things like that. But the the level of detail that is a part of what Mark does every day. Mark really taught me how to be a head coach. I thought I knew football, and to some degree I did, but Mark taught me how to be a head coach and how to manage people, how important scheduling was and organization was and just the fact that the players see that you have a plan and that you're going to implement your plan and that that's going to take you through a season and ultimately to a championship. Those are the things I learned from Mark Trust. Crazy. I can show you right here. I'm sitting here and I have notes in front of me. The exact notes I have in front of me are, Coach Trestman is attention to detail, and that's exactly the thing you said. He was, he was. I've been around a lot of coaches, but his. But I haven't been in meeting rooms, so I don't know how much attention to detail mm. other coaches put in. But that's what I noticed from him too. Was his Mark attention to detail do, was crazy. He had the coaches do tip sheets for their positional players that we'd hand out before every game, and mine for the quarterbacks was 13 pages. And I'm quite sure AC never looked at one page. <laughs> That's the level of detail that was demanded, and now I appreciate it. But you were, you know, I, I remember reading an article about you from your playing days that you were into game film long before guys were into game film. G. Roy, did you see that? As you know, from from Scott's perspective, did you could you see that? Well, I think that's where we had, like I said, we had so much success because we 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 understood. Um, not only what we were doing as an offense, but we understood what the defense was doing, and that that came through the, the, all the film study that we did. I mean, it's I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I I studied more game film than I did regular books in when I was at the University of Maryland. <laughs> I think so. we all did that way, but I didn't have <laughs> so, football as an excuse. But you know, it's it's one of those things where you know you know as a as an 18, 19, 20 year old guy, and you're leading you're leading the film study. Um, that that's where you can tell which guys are going to be coaches, which guys are going to be um, that are going to do well, not only as a, as a player, but, you know, moving forward as, as a coach and, and personnel. Hey, tell me this. Um, we're all relatively the same age, give or take a year or two. The movie The Program <laughs> hit theaters in, like, 1993, all around the time that you guys would have been at Maryland. Davis, you would have probably been just heading out to Oregon at the time, and, and I was just trying to learn how to talk properly <laughs> on, in, in front of a microphone. Was was there that movie? Obviously, it's Hollywood, but is there any truth to that movie in, in terms of what the college football world was like in those days? I'm sure you guys have watched it at least 20 times. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I mean, put the women and children if, to bed. We're going hunting if, for dinner. Yeah, if if it had anything to do with, uh, yeah, it was it was yeah, it's pretty pretty accurate. Pretty accurate, <laughs> Scott. I referenced it. Just three weeks ago, for our last preseason game, I, I told him, like Latimer says, it's your last chance to find a seat at the table. <laughs> seat at the table, and then go start head-button windows. Uh, is there a good Scott Milanovic story in the huddle at all? Is there, a, is there a moment that stands out from your time? Yeah, that was that's, that's a long time yeah. ago. I, you know what? A good one-liner or just a cool moment or anything? Not really. I just Honestly, man, I just, I just remember just – all every time I would I would you know he would throw me a ball I I just I always knew it was going to be a perfect ball I knew it was going to I was going to be put in, in good situations you know when I talk about some of the best quarterbacks I play with Scott is definitely one of them you touched on Tony Dungy and the impact that he had both you guys were there in Tampa with Tony Dungy is there a good Tony Dungy story I mean some of the characters that were on that team Warren Sapp for that matter is there is there a good Dungy or Warren Sapp story that <laughs> That stands out. 
I don't think I can repeat any of the sap stories. <laughs> I knew that was coming. You could Google those ones. There, there, there was one time I went fishing with Tony Dungy and Dave Moore, who was a tight end. Yeah. And we were out in the shallows in Tampa Bay, and I caught this big snook that we were, we were kind of fishing for. And I got it right beside the boat, and it snapped a line. And, and I dropped a four-letter word that you don't want to drop in front of Tony Dungy. And I thought I was going to be cut on the spot, and he just laughed at I'll never forget. I'll never forget looking at his face after I said that. A Tony story for you? Well, it was funny. My first week in Tampa, um, you know, I was trying to live that NFL life, and I and I missed uh, an early meeting, and I w- I had been there for like a week, and I thought I was I thought I was done. I thought I was cut, and you know, he never yelled at me. He never swore at me. He he just it was like it was like your dad. You know, showing how, showing the disappointment in you, and I, and I just said I would never be late for a meeting. I'll never miss anything, just because you know I never want to let the guy down. Because he was he was like a father a father figure to you. I just want to ask. I know your dad had a big big influence on you, but still does. Uh, what's 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 the relationship now in regards to football? Is he is he calling you every week, talking about the team, talking game plan and strategy? Toronto Argonauts from from back home. Yeah, we don't do strategy. He goes to all the home games and. In all the Hamilton games because they're close enough for him to drive to. We don't. He doesn't strategy. do. He doesn't do strategy because because you won't listen or because. Uh... Probably probably a little bit of both. <laughs> He's not afraid to second guess me after but the perfect. game though. Perfect. Yeah. Why, why'd you do that? Yeah, that that's uh, yeah. None none of that's changed for sure. Gentlemen, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much, Scott. All the best this season, G Roy. Great to see you as well, and uh, keep up all those Instagram pics on, uh, at the golf course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great to catch up. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Thank you.